Hey everybody, and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast, where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking social media and adolescence with clinical psychology doctoral student Jackie Nisi and professor of psychology and neuroscience, Mitch Princeton. So you two have been studying how social media influences development in the adolescent years. What exactly is going on in those adolescent years that's important later in life? What skills are they developing? There's a whole lot of changes happening during adolescence. I think that there's a lot of really important changes and a lot of skills they're developing. So we know that teenagers are working on developing their identities, so sort of cohesive sense of who they are, um, what they believe. They're working on a number of interpersonal skills. So they're starting to get in romantic relationships for the first time. They are starting to learn how to have more kind of complex interactions with their peers, how to negotiate conflict. So it turns out that this is the time point in adolescent development when adolescents' brains are changing in a way that specifically makes them particularly interested in peers, and it makes them think their parents are especially uncool. For that reason, um, this is a point when kids are really influenced by their peers, when they care about what their peers say to them. And the interactions that they have with those other kids in school is going to change the rest of their lives. It's going to change their life expectancy, their health, their salaries one day, when they get married. All of this is happening at the adolescent period based on their peer experiences. But today, those experiences are mostly happening online. So with these experiences now taking place online instead of face-to-face, are you seeing that social media has an effect on the development of adolescents? I think that's a complicated question. (laughs) I think that's part of what we are trying to figure out in the work that we're doing. So I think there's a number of things that could be happening, but one thing I'm particularly interested in is looking at how more traditional peer experiences are being transformed by what happens on social media. So how do the differences between social media and kind of traditional interactions How is that really impacting the ways that kids are able to interact with each other, the type of behaviors that they engage in, the way they can influence each other? And I think the jury may still be out in terms of how it overall affects adolescents, but I think depending on who teenagers are and what exactly they're doing with social media, I think there can be both positive and negative um, implications of using social media. Some of what kids are doing on social media pretty much reflects what we already knew about these kids off of social media. Kids who are rejected are going to still be rejected, but now online. The kids who are popular are going to be the ones with the most friends or the most followers online. But there's something about social media that gives kids an opportunity to do things that we never knew about before there was social media. It gives them things they care about and things that they are desiring that we can't even relate to from our own adolescence, how many followers you have, how quickly you have to respond by telling someone they look good in their selfie, how much you have to be concerned about a social faux pas kind of going viral. This is just the kind of thing that none of us had to deal with before, but there's something about how global it is and how immediate it is and um, how ubiquitous it's become that's made social media change how adolescents interact with peers completely. And obviously one of the biggest ways that it's changed how teenagers interact is instead of face-to-face discussions, it's all based online. What's the big difference between social media interaction and face-to-face interaction? 
So I think that I think one thing that's particularly different and maybe why we see people occasionally being meaner or sort of more harsh is that social media can be more anonymous. So there are sometimes, depending on the platform, there are opportunities for kids to pretend to be someone else. There's also fewer sort of audiovisual cues on a lot of platforms. So kids aren't face to face with the people that they would normally be bullying, for example. They're not seeing the reaction, the facial expressions or the body language. And I think that can lead people to sometimes be maybe a bit more mean than they might be otherwise. The computer gives us a little bit of a psychological barrier as well. And there's some research that shows that when you depersonalize, when the person you are is now being mediated by a keyboard and by a social media profile, it allows you to say and do things that you would never be able to get away with in person. And it's pretty dangerous. It's one of the reasons why you see more harsh discrimination and sexism occurring over the internet rather than anything that people might say face to face. The same thing happens with social media. It creates a more depersonalized context that unfortunately allows some kids to say things that they know they're not supposed to say or do in person. So then in your research, are you seeing that the lack of face-to-face interaction is affecting the adolescents? Some of our research would indicate that kids who are interacting more via social media versus in person, they're romantic partners. So potentially on platforms where they don't have as much of that sort of face-to-face or even verbal interaction, that later on they are experiencing kind of lower levels of certain interpersonal skills. So for example, they're less skilled at managing conflict with their romantic partners. They may be less skilled in um, asserting their needs with those partners. So there may be some something about social media that is preventing some kids from developing some of these really important skills that they're going to need kind of through the rest of their lives. And I think it's something that research is going to have to going to have to keep up with and keep following. So we've been talking about how social media affects the development of adolescents. But do you guys see any long-term effects of this? We don't have data to know for sure what the long-term effects may be, but it is interesting to think about. I mean, these are the formative romantic relationship experiences. We can all remember that first kiss and who it was with. And we can all remember the first time that we got dumped or we dumped somebody else. You know, those those memories stay with us and they tend to have an impact, not in some abstract way, but they actually change the way that we process social information in the future. So when we find ourselves in a situation where it reminds us of one of those past experiences, it might change the way that we interpret what someone's doing. It might change the way that we impulsively respond when we're in a difficult situation. And those formative experiences We don't know. Maybe they won't have a long-term impact, but there is psychological research to suggest, and there is the salience of us all remembering those those moments to suggest that they, they may just change the way we think about ourselves and change the way we think about romantic partners in ways that can echo decades later. If they don't develop these skills during their adolescence like they're supposed to, is it going to be a struggle later in life when they need to use these skills, or can they gain them later on? We know that adolescence is a really sensitive period of development, so ideally those skills are learned during adolescence. I think, I'm not sure if I would say that you're sort of done if you don't develop them then, but I think that it's certainly, it's certainly the time period when historically kids have been developing some of those skills. We think about development as having a snowball effect. So 
as you learn one task, it opens up doors to have different experiences. Those new experiences challenge you to learn new tasks and so on. So at first, the romantic relationship skills that a young adolescent might be learning is how to ask somebody out on a date. And on that date, they suddenly are faced with more complex interpersonal challenges and so on and so on. And this just might mean that some kids are not getting as early a start and they might be lagging behind for a while. Of course, they can catch up later, but it also might lead to just a general sense of insecurity that they have in their romantic relationships that can really last for a long time throughout their lives. Since social media has this effect on development in adolescence, what's the parent's role with social media? I think that that right now parents are confused about what to do in terms of social media, and there's a lot of conflicting advice out there, and I'm not sure that there's one right answer, but I think there is some research suggesting that um, parents are sort of better off talking to their kids about what they're doing on social media versus really trying to control what they're doing on social media. I think that sort of open communication with kids about how they're using social media, what types of platforms they're using, who they're talking to, I think all of that stuff can go, can go a really long way. Yeah, I think if your kids went to a party, you'd probably ask them a little bit <laughs> later what happened there. And if your kid had a breakup, you'd probably talk with them about it a little bit. Um, when your kid makes new friends, you want to know who those friends are and what they're like. The difference now is that all those things can happen while your child is sitting all by themselves in their room with their phone. So in the same way that you would follow up after any peer interaction, we just now have to realize those peer interactions are happening online, even when you don't think that your child is with anyone at all. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And don't forget to check back to unc.edu in two weeks for the next episode of Well Said.